0: Today is going to be a little bit different, not just because Lori and I are sharing together, but there's a prophetic exhortation, or an exhortation, I would say, that Lori's going to share in the midst of the message of her story. And so I'm going to start us off, then I'm going to turn it over to Lori, and then we'll keep going. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, is the anchor verse that we are living in this entire month, and it is this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Everybody say, A Savior. So, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So, last week, we looked at the words, this day, by talking about how God often uses the impossible or even sometimes just the ordinary as the backdrop in our lives to do something supernatural or to move in extraordinary ways. We looked at that last week, but today, we want to hone in on this word of Savior, It is an interesting word because as North Americans, I'm not sure we love the word Savior. We like being heroes, but we don't often like admitting that we are in need of rescue ourselves. In a few weeks from now, did you know there's something called January 1st? We're entering a new decade. Now, how many of you in the 70s, 80s, and 90s were alive? Can I see your hands, please? Okay, those felt like decades. Is there anybody with me that the 2000s just feel like all together? I know we're moving into a new decade, but it just kind of feels like the 70s, and 80s, and 90s, man, they were so defined, but the 2000s is just there. It's maybe just a feeling. It's just me. Okay. But in a few weeks, in a few weeks... Uh, we're going to be going into 2020 and some of us are going to be celebrating and setting new year's resolutions i have some bad news around new year's resolutions and it's it's not that you don't know this because maybe this could be your experience but this is this is wild did you know statistically that 92% of new year's resolutions are failed within week 1 wow. Turn the person beside you and once again look around in the eyes and say, congratulations, good on you. (laughs) 92% are failing in the first week. So then here's the thing, though. It should show us that our willpower is strong, but maybe not strong enough. Maybe, just maybe, we need something stronger and different. Mm -hmm. And of the 8% who succeed, there is this eerie underlining, underlying reality for us oftentimes in North America, which can be on the other side of goals, which are good, on the other side of education, which is good, or promotions, or eating healthy and six-pack abs. All good things, sort of, especially the last one, or so I'm told. All good things, but here's the truth. Is we may be more educated, but that doesn't make us more kind to one another. Is we may be more wealthy, but we still struggle with greed. We may be more fit, but still frustrated by the deeper struggles, maybe of comparison within us. The dogma of Canada is try harder and try harder and try harder. And if you really have a vulnerable moment with a lot of Canadians, you will find that even on the other side of their goals, there can be this persistent not-enoughness, this feeling of my ideal self is always just out of reach. So with all of our talk on diversity, why is it that we still can't get along? With all of our education, why is it? that this divide seems to be growing deeper. And with all of our wealth, why is it that inequality is still such a problem? Our country to asks us to look in and look out, look in and look out. But Christmas invites us not just to look in and not just to look out, but to have the courage to look up, to admit that we need a savior, to look up, to look higher. William Irving describes in our North American culture this word called misliving. It's this underlying ache or this underlying thing that is just there, that there's a danger. This is what he says. There's a danger that you will mislive, that despite all of our activity, despite of all of our pleasant diversions, that you have enjoyed while alive, you'll end up living a bad life. Not a good bad, but just with that sense of regret. There is, in other words, a danger that when you are on your deathbed, you will look back and realize that you wasted your one chance at living. Instead of spending your life pushing something genuinely valuable, you squandered it because you allowed yourself, we allowed ourselves to be distracted by the various baubles that life has to offer which in the end don't matter as much as we think. Laurie, miss misliving.
1: Yeah, and I think too for us even as believers, sometimes we think that because we're believers, because we have the knowledge of the Savior, because we've been saved, because we recognize that we're broken, that we don't get caught up in misliving. But, but honestly, I'm here to tell you this morning that it can happen to us even as believers, that we can get caught up into a cultural way of living that we don't even realize the spaces and the places that, God has, is not a part of. We're the spaces and the places where we've allowed so much of the world to become a part of how we live our life. About a month ago, I took most of our staff team down to a restoration training prayer conference down in Toronto. And um, really what it was, was it was a training on deliverance ministry. And if you don't know what deliverance ministry is, it's a ministry that exists in the church to help people get free from things that are holding them back, areas it, of their life.
0: And it's not when your head rotates right the way yeah, around. That's yeah. the move. (laughs)
1: Yeah, totally. But it really is a powerful thing. And there's a church down in Toronto who is doing this ministry just so beautifully and powerfully. We wanted to go and learn from them. And so while we were there, I asked the leader if I could actually receive some deliverance ministry while we were there. I wanted to experience how they do it. But I also knew as I you know, was just taking stock of my life that you know, the last 10, 12 years, there have been a lot of challenges. There's, there's been a lot of hard things. And I, and I had just guessed that there was some misliving happening in my life. And I just wanted to deal with it. I just wanted to sit and, and take stock of my life and really ask God, invite God into every space that was not from him. And so I sat down with this team of people that I'd never met before, and they had taken some time to pray for me ahead of time. They didn't know me. They didn't even know my name. They didn't even know. They just prayed for, you know, woman number two, who that was me. And they asked God, what do you want to say to woman number two? And so when they sat with me there, they had some different words and questions and scriptures and pictures that God had given them for me as they prepared ahead of time. And they sat with me and they said, does the word dread mean anything? Thing to you and I was like dread okay that's that's a really intense word um okay and they said does that does it mean anything and I said well actually what's weird about that is every day when I wake up in the morning when my alarm goes off for a, a long time as long as I can remember I've had this overwhelming sense of dread it's the uh, first my, thing that I feel my apologies <laughs> just a sense of being overwhelmed a sense of like And then, as quickly as it comes, it leaves. As quickly as you know, uh, that's kind of the first sense. It goes away. I don't dwell on it. I don't think about it. And then I just go on with my day. And I, I haven't given it a lot of thought, other than what I said to them: is I don't really know why I feel that way. Because I love my family. I love my life. I love my job. I'm so I'm so grateful. I don't really know why I feel that way. So they said wow, that's really interesting. We're going to ask God. We want you to ask God right now, where did that come in? So we just all took a moment and I closed my eyes, and they said, if you just just think about, you know, ask God where it came in, and if you get any pictures or any memories or anything that comes to your mind, share it with us. So, you know, I just took a minute, and I asked God, and I, I, tr- I tried to imagine, like, where did this come? When do I remember feeling it for the first time? And I couldn't really specifically identify it, but one picture did come to my mind, and it was the memory that I had of when Jason and I were installed as lead pastors of Life Center. That's the picture that came to my mind, and I remembered it very vividly. I saw it very vividly. I remember what I was wearing. I remember where we were and what hap- what was happening around. And I shared with them that, that on that day, this was the memory that came to mind. And on that day, I felt this overwhelming sense of, um, of nakedness and vulnerability in that moment. That, that literally when we had stood and been prayed for to become the Lead Pastors of Life Center, that we had come out from underneath a covering where we were once covered and protected under the leadership of Life Center. We were now coming out from under the covering, and we were out front, and now we were the covering, and now we were the covering for the church, and we were the covering for the staff. And it felt very heavy, and it felt very vulnerable. And so they said, oh wow, that's very, very interesting. Let's ask God what his truth is about that. So literally, I just closed my eyes again in a moment, and in an instant, I felt the Lord say to me, That was a yoke I have, I I never gave you. You picked up a yoke that day that I never gave you. It didn't come from me. And so then I literally asked the Lord, Lord, what is the truth? What is the truth about the situation? He said, You were never called to be the protector of the church, of the people, of the staff. That's my job. And he said, You are not out and exposed and vulnerable. I am your protector. I am the protector of the church. I am the protector of the staff. That's my job. That was never something you were meant to pick up. And literally in an instant, in an instant, that revelation, that truth was repl- replaced the lie, and, and it, it was gone. I could never not believe that anymore. It literally was like an awakening happened in that moment. But what's so interesting about that moment is that, so I went back to my hotel that night, I went to bed, and I thought that was, wow, that was awesome, that was so great. But actually, that was just the beginning. And I have a sense that for all of us in this season, that God is bringing revelation in our lives. But as he's bringing revelation about specific things, it's actually not the thing it's it's like it's opening the door for all the things that he wants to speak us about and that's exactly what happened and so i went to bed that night went to bed quite late had a very restless sleep and early in the morning five o'clock in the morning, I woke up. We had to go to the the training all day, and I was like, oh man, it's five o'clock in the morning. I need to get some sleep. I'm so tired. But I I had this vision of Jesus in kind of in the room. It just was a picture in my mind, and I I, I felt like Jesus was putting his arm out like this towards me and saying, Lori, come. I have something I want to show you. And for a second, I actually thought, I'm so tired, I think I, you know, and then I was like, whoa, what? wait a second, Jesus just told me he has something to show me. So I jumped out of bed, and I went into the other room, and I sat down on the couch, and I put my earbuds in with some wave noises on them, which I've actually never done before. I don't even know why I did that. I think I just wanted to I don't know. I don't even know. I, I was in a hotel and it was weird, so I just put them in my—I put them in my ears and literally. You,
0: you did it. Remember that the house in the house you had you know, with your phone, but no yeah. earbuds in. Yeah, yeah. I thought waves it was the going? smoke. Yeah, I thought it was the smoke alarm was like <laughs> malfunctioning. I woke out of bed like, what is that noise? Well, now it's just Lori.
1: Now I listen to the waves every day. Oh,
0: it's good. So good. God, what a blessing that is.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so and I felt literally like Jesus took me somewhere. He he just he literally brought me into this this beautiful beautiful secret place with him and he began to speak to me and i want to actually share with you today what he spoke to me because i feel like the words that he gave me that day are way better articulated than i could explain in my own words but i also believe that they're not just for me and if you need a breakthrough or if you're carrying a burden that is too heavy to bear i actually believe that god wants to lift that off your shoulders today and he wants to tell you the truth about what he has placed on your life because the tr- truth is that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. That's the truth. That's the truth. And so if you're carrying a yoke that feels heavy, a burden that feels heavy, then you've picked something up that God has never, ever intended for you to carry. And I just believe even as I read this word over your life, if there's a part that resonates with you, you grab hold of it because this is literally God's word to us. Just, I literally am going to read it straight out of my journal as the Lord gave it to me. So All right, so that morning, so this is the next day after this moment of freedom happened in my life, this is the next day, and after God spoke this word to my life, this is exactly what the next month of my life has been, and it has been beyond anything I've ever, ever experienced. So he said this, I want to delight in you, and I want you to delight in me. I love you more than you know. I want you to know and understand my love because because you did all Because if you did all the earning, approval, if you did, all sorry, okay. (laughs) It's literally like my scratches, so bear with me, bear with me. Because if you did, all the earning, approval, and striving would disappear in my love is found perfect rest, perfect peace. There is nothing that matters other than spending time in my presence because my, in my presence there is fullness of love. Busyness and worry only distract you from my presence. Allow the great depth and power of my perfect and complete love to replace every lie that you are not worthy, that you have to work to earn your worth, to be replaced with a complete assurance of my complete love. Anchor your soul in my love, bind yourself to it, and never go anywhere without it. Let the anchor of my love limit you from living in fear, worry, stress, anxiety, disillusionment, and dread. For so long you've been trying so hard, working so hard, running in an effort to earn the love I have already given to you freely by my grace. Because there's nothing more in the world than I desire than you. For too long, you've believed that you had to do it all yourself. You've let the cares and concerns of the world limit your peace, your joy, your hope, your purpose. And I want to give you a new limitation today. I want you to be limited by my love, limited to, the ex- to experience only peace, only joy, only hope, only rest. I want the power of my love to limit you from engaging in the cares of the world and constraining you to live a life of deep abiding. You've been living with limits for a long time, but those limits have been a yoke that you have picked up in an effort to continue to earn something you can never have by earning. Stop striving. Stop working for my love. You already have it. There's no more that I can possibly give you. It's already complete and perfect. Earning detaches you from the anchor of my love because when you try to earn my love, you make yourself the way to me. You will never be or can never be the way to me. I am the only way. And I have already given it to you freely. You must stop reframing your destructive ways and self-justifying them. I have heard you say, I love stress. It stretches me. Don't love stress. Love me. Stress is a lie. I've heard you say, I love fear. I find it kind of thrilling. I don't let fear stop me. Stop justifying fear. Fear has no place in my perfect love. None. There can be no fear when you are anchored to my perfect love. Stop making peace with a way of life that is less than resting in my perfect love. Work should not be stressful. Work is beautiful. Stop putting yourself in the place of me. You are not, nor were you ever meant to be, the answer to be the savior. You like to try to because momentarily it feeds your ego, but every time you give in to the gratification, of somehow being the Savior, you believe a lie, and you heap upon yourself so much pressure that you were never meant to bear. Fall into my arms. Fall into my perfect love for you. Fall into me and let me do all the things you're striving so hard to do. You don't need the answer because I am the answer. Limit yourself to the fullness of my love. Come away with me every day. Come away and find what nothing in this world can promise you. Come to the secret place with me and live here, and I will show you the way. Abide in me. Completely rest in my provision. You really don't have to worry about a thing because I am with you. And literally from that moment, from that moment, from that revelation, God has been speaking specifically to my life. I literally am numbering them in my journal, but there's 18 different kinds of companions I have just done life with and thought it was normal because that's how everybody lives. But it's not. God is literally calling us to a higher way of walking. He's calling us to live a life of peace and love and joy and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness because that is the fruit of his Holy Spirit in us. We don't have to live a life full of stress and hurry and busyness and worry. He literally has made provision for for us, for those things, in his perfect love, completely and holy, and it's beautiful. And so every single one of these, I'm so far up to 18 things, like stress and fear and, and insecurity and inferiority and all of these things that God places his finger on, literally, I get down on my knees and I repent and I renounce those things and I separate from them and I receive the truth. And the truth always, the result of that always produces love or joy or peace or goodness. Something that is so beautiful and so literally I feel like life right now looks completely different. Like everything is brighter. Like I can see the world with more clarity. Like even the colors in the world are more crisp and brighter because literally light has come. And God gave me a scripture that I believe is for every single one of us because I believe it's what he's doing in this time. And it is so powerful. It's in Romans 13 verse 11 and it says besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep but salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed the night is far gone the day is at hand so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light so good so good
0: You know, Christmas or the story of Christmas, the first story of Christmas, isn't cute. It is an invasion of light into darkness. And there are representations of that all around us every single day. How many of you love just looking at Christmas lights? There's something powerful about literally just the contrast of darkness and light. You know, Christmas is a rescue mission from God to us, because there is a cultural lie. And the cultural lie is this, that all religions are basically or superficially, they're the same. That whether it's Christianity or Islam or Buddhism or Hindu or Hinduism, whatever it is, whatever it is, they're all basically, and this is the lie, The lie is that if you take all religions in your mind, just visualize them at the bottom of a mountain, that all religions are basically superficially the same, that they all just have a different way to get to the top of the mountain where God resides, that you can take this path or this path or this path, and they have different names, but it all leads to this place of enlightenment or this place of where God resides, but you can go this path, this path, and this path. That's the lie of our culture because here's the truth of the gospel. This gospel that we preach, that we sang about a moment ago, that will not bend its knee, that will not faint, that will not grow weak in the midst of the culture in which we live in. The gospel that Jesus proclaimed was not that you and I make our way up the mountain. No, it is that God himself came down from the mountain to us, to bring us to him, to do what we could never do in ourselves. The gospel is not superficially the same as every other ism in the world. It is distinctively different. It is different than anything else ever seen or even imagined in the world. The gospel is not opposed to effort because it takes work to surrender, to engage, but it is deeply offended, not at effort, but it's deeply offended at earning when we try to earn something that only God can provide. The truth of the gospel is offensive to North Americans because it is the message that we need saving. And that offends sometimes our hearts and our pride. It speaks sometimes, though, to our mislivings, and it calls us to this deeper and different place. You know, our culture longs for diversity to be understood and celebrated. And we take many steps and they're noble and I'm not here to put them down. But the truth is Revelation chapter seven, verse nine is only when Jesus is king and in his kingdom will we actually have holy diversity. Because Revelation 7 verse 9 says, And after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe, and from every people and the language were standing before the throne and before the Lamb because this king understands diversity better than any politician can because he created it. It's his design. Jesus has the answer for the things that divide us that polarize us. John 17, verse 20 to 21, I do not ask only for, or for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. Everyone say, that's me. Who will believe in me through their word that they may be one, Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus has the answer in his kingdom to inequality. Because this is what he said in Matthew 25 when we said, well, when did we do all these things to you? He said, and when did you see a stranger and you welcomed him or naked and clothed him? And when we, and, sorry, and when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king, everybody say the king. the king. The king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these of my brothers, you've done it to me. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, in his kingdom, has the difference or the answer to stress and anxiety, mm-hmm. casting all your anxieties on him because the God of the universe cares mm-hmm. for you. For Jesus, help can be found in natural things for sure, but only hope can be found in a supernatural saving. And so a single word often separates us from that which we most need. And this word is humility, because it takes humility to admit that we need a Savior. It takes humility to admit that we need saving. It takes great humility to stop trying to earn our way up the mountain and to do and to experience what Jesus said. One of my favorite parables that Jesus ever told was the parable of the lost sheep because I think it's profound. There are 99 sheep. Sheeps? No, sheep. 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 Didn't sound right. That's a lot of sheeps over there. There are 99 sheep, and one little sheep wanders away. And what does Jesus say? Does he talk about that sheep and show up at that one who wandered away and chastised them for being lost? No, no, you know what the parable is? That Jesus, the Savior King, he bends down. And he picks up the sheep and puts it on its shoulders and he carries it home. There's a prophetic message and there's a clear message in that for my heart and for yours is that Christmas is a rescue mission. And what it takes for you and I to be home is the humility to stop trying to earn our way back and let him carry us home. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is not unlike every other religion, no, no, who is singular, Christ the Lord, plus nothing and no one. Will you open your heart today in Advent, in waiting? Will you continue to, you know, pray for your friends and family that this Christmas season they would join the 78 and open their heart to saving? Lori, would you lead us in prayer? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I'm going to ask you to stand right now, and if you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, if you never had kind of that first salvation moment, that scripture we just read, I love how it says, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. You know, we ongoingly need to have revelations of what God has done for us and what that means for our life. And so I'm going to invite everybody just to pray together, just as a prayer of fresh renewal and fresh openness to what it is that God wants to speak to us about in this season. So would you say, dear Lord, thank you for loving me just the way I am, but loving me enough not to leave me the way I am. I know that I'm a sinner, broken and needing to be saved. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. Thank you for raising him from the dead so I could have freedom and be forgiven. I thank you for this gift that comes to me by grace alone. I receive it afresh today in Jesus' name. Amen.